Good morning, everyone. This uh, man in black next to me is uh, Joe Mellon. Joe and his family have spent 30 years in uh, France serving as missionaries, uh, church planting work, and that's why there's no plant here, because he doesn't have his 50 years in yet. <laughs> Joe is going to share God's word with us today. His roots are deep in Grace Chapel. If you want to know all the dirt on John Spadafora and myself when we were younger, talk to Joe, because he's leaving you know, tonight, tonight. tonight to go back to France, and so he's not afraid to tell the whole story. <clears throat> Thank you, Paul. Paul, it's 33 years, so I'll be back in, I'll be back in 17 for my plant. <laughs> and don't make it any of that wacky stuff that they give on the West Coast that they can sell illegally now. That's not right. All right, here we go. Yes, 33 years. <clears throat> we left September 1985, September 12th to be exact, arrived in Geneva September 13th, uh, Friday morning, and I got off the plane and said, what am I doing here? I had no idea. And if I had known, I'd have probably gotten right back on the plane. But that's the, uh, the energy of youth, the passion of desiring to serve. Um, Grace Chapel has been faithful in supporting us for all these years, and we thank you for that. And as a gift, I want to show you a few pictures, just a few, of what we do. Uh, they're not coming up in the order they're supposed to. That's our house in France. If you want to come visit, uh, we'll put you up for an evening or two. And uh, you can see it's a French house in a French neighborhood. And uh, do I point this way? Okay, next, oh, that's a scene out the back of the house in wintertime. You can see how difficult life is there. And um, not always, it's just uh, beautiful. And there's a scene from uh, next to our house up on a, a ridge, and that's Mont Blanc in the back, the second highest point in Europe. And uh, this is... Um, the university, it's a picture that was taken a couple uh, years ago, and uh, now we're getting down to what it's all about. It's not snow, it's not owning a house in France. These are university students, and it's the folks that I work with the most, especially after these past uh, six or seven years. And uh, students are the future. Okay, a little backtrack. That's the church that we helped to establish. And uh, we started there in uh, 1991, and I uh, gave over all my responsibilities in 2009 because I felt it was time and uh, there were men to take them. And then this is the heart of the work. That's young Teddy. He came to know the Lord about six years ago uh, in his um, room up at the university. He's now studying jazz piano. Can you imagine that? I get a jazz pianist and uh, up in Brussels, and uh, he witnesses to everything that moves. He's uh, totally alone in life. His mother is a professed lesbian. He has never, ever met his father, and uh, he has fallen deeply in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had the privilege of baptizing him after he uh, made a profession of faith. After that, 
is a young couple here that were friends of mine, and the lady on the left, Julie, uh, is a uh, university product from uh, Chambéry, and uh, now they live north of uh, London. Both of them are fluent in French, English, and Spanish, and uh, we have students going through the university, walking with the Lord everywhere in the world, and that is thrilling. Here's another one. This fellow is just starting. He's from Madagascar. His name is Feifei, and uh, he is, as we speak, in classes in the Swiss Bible Institute. So, what else? Oh, one more shot. Last spring, a whole group of uh, students from our university work went to Geneva and got a tour of the Reformation Wall. And uh, this is something you ought to see and uh, find out about before you leave planet Earth. You see those four men up there? Not the little ones, the big ones. It's John Calvin, William Farrell, Theodore Bez, and John Knox. And because of those four men, we are all here today. We are all here today. They suffered and taught and had their lives threatened constantly and kept on going. And people say to me, well, you're bringing an American religion. I said, no, not at all. You don't know your history. I'm coming back to where this originally began. And those are the men that were involved in the Reformation. And uh, here's a final picture. That's the family. Last Christmas, uh, we were all together for four days, I think. And uh, that's inside the house that you saw before. And so there we are. Karen, my wife, Brenda to the right, Lauren in the back, and Christine to the left. And she's right down over here in case you want to meet her afterward. So that's it. 33 years. And because of your finances and prayer, the work goes on. I have often said, your finances keep us on the field. Your prayer gets the job done. If someone were to ask me, and you can ask me if you want, <clears throat> what's your philosophy of ministry now? Of course, before you go to the field, philosophy of ministry is all theoretical. When we go out there, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And uh, well, it usually doesn't turn out that way. Now, my philosophy of ministry is revolved, revolves around two thoughts. Jude, verses 20 to 23. But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Three types of people. Have mercy on some, save others, and snatch others out of the fire. Once they get saved, once people come to know Christ as their Savior, this verse kicks in, 2 Timothy 2, 2, Timothy 2, 2. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. For me, that's what it's all about now. Dawson Trotman said, you be responsible for the depth of your ministry, let God be responsible for the breadth of your ministry. I heard that 35 years ago. It didn't make any sense. It makes a lot of sense now. Those folks that you just saw that are in other parts of the world serving the Lord because they were either brought to the Lord or built up at the, the university work. Praise God. 
That's what it's all about. See them saved, build up, and send them out. Send them out. So, along with all that, I'd like to look at a text of scripture with you this morning, talking about adversity. And the one that I've chosen is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So, could we read it together now? Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Let's ask the Lord to use his word. Father, it's a serious thing to open your word no matter where we are on this planet. Your word is live and active and will cut and will heal. And we pray that you would do that this morning for your honor and to improve our lives and our service for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love to take people through the book of Romans. If I get somebody who's interested in the scripture, a non-believer, or somebody who just got saved, or somebody who has decided to get serious for the Lord, the first thing I do is tell them Romans, and we go from there. I just feel as though it, it clears everything out. When you read it simply and as they received it in those house churches in Rome, many times we, American theologians, not of which I am one, we read a passage and we talk about 40 or 50 different things in that passage. Just think of those people in Rome. All they had was a few Old Testament manuscripts and all of a sudden they get a letter from the Apostle Paul. And in this letter, he's going to address issues that are important to them and of course important to him. They weren't theologians. They probably worked all day, more than, more than a day. <clears throat> the families were taken care of, they were tired, they were persecuted, they were ridiculed, and they got this letter, and what did they think when they read it simply for the first time? That's why I like Romans. It's not that difficult, not at all. Romans 1 through 3, chapters 1 through 3, are simply a terrifying account of the human situation. Spiritually speaking, we are lost 
lost, lost, totally lost. I have the best dentist in the world. Six crowns, no pain, zero. Unfortunately, Eve is lost. Unfortunately, I try to talk to him. He thinks it's a joke. God is so funny. He's still a great dentist, but he's lost. Chapter one talks about rejection of the, crea of the creator. Chapter two and three talk about judging each other's according to the laws that we have made and then breaking the law. And the result is very simple. Romans chapter three, verse nine. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have all charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. That's brutal. That's brutal. And it's a message that doesn't flow today in our society, and especially in the French society. Everybody is in trouble. But then you have verses 21 to 31, the glorious passage where he lines out what God has done to redeem those who believe. What he has done, he has sacrificed. Chapter 4 is Abraham. Salvation has always been by faith, always been by faith. If anybody deserved to be saved by works, it was Abraham, but he wasn't. He was justified by faith. And then we get to chapter 5. Now, what is really fun is taking people through this, having them discover it, and they think that they see a contradiction. And that's great, because when somebody says that, then I can begin to show that it's not a contradiction because look at chapter five, verse one and two. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we hope in the glory of God. Peace with God. These people, no matter where they are, no matter who they are on the face of the earth, who were enemies, who were at war with God now, they have peace with God. Peace. The judge pounds his gavel. The guilty party is declared innocent for all eternity. Peace with God. I would teach that this is a judicial peace. This might not be a personal peace that we experience. That is talked about in other places in the scripture. This is a judicial peace. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5.21 he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When a person gets saved, God takes all their sin, puts it on Christ, and takes all of Christ's righteousness and puts it on this person. And that's the problem in Romans 1, 2, and 3. We're not righteous. Humanity is not righteous. What's God going to do? He's got to do something, and he did. On April 5th, 1976, in media, uh, media crossing apartments, about two o'clock in the morning, God made his peace with me. After about three, three and a half years of a truck driver talking to me about Jesus Christ at Acme Markets. 
I had heard several things when I was in the Navy. When I was in the Navy, it was the first time I ever saw somebody reading a Bible. But Tom, the truck driver, talked to me. Perhaps not every week. We talked sports. He was a scratch golfer. But he talked to me about Christ over and over and over again. I was lost. You didn't have to go far to find a lost people. I was at the Drexel Acme. And I found out after I got saved, after that night, and there was a little bit of more maturity in my life, that everywhere that Tom went to deliver his frozen food, there were little groups of people he led to Christ. Because he talked to them. Because he told them what they needed to hear. It, perhaps they, he told them they, they were condemned and they wanted out. So they got saved. 1976. God hasn't changed a bit. <clears throat> and we find out in these verses that everything that happened to me that happens to people who make peace with God, it all comes because of Jesus Christ. It's all because of him. Then there is a turn, verses 3 to 5. He starts out and says, and not only this, okay, there's more, pay attention. And this is the surprising part for people who read it for the first time, who wrestle with it for the first time. A condemned sinner now has peace with God, and the first thing he's going to talk about here are tribulations, afflictions, adversity. Verse 3, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Can't you just picture, could you try and picture the people in the first century in a house church, tired after a day's work, and now they're being shown how to handle tragedy, adversity, tribulation that come and still have peace with God? It almost doesn't make any sense. Almost. But God takes it in hand to explain what's going on here. It's reality. You don't have to be a believer long to know trouble comes. And I'm not talking about spiritual trouble. Perhaps we try to witness, give testimony. Somebody laughs at us. Maybe somebody throws something at us. Well, what do you expect? The master that we followed was crucified. But there are other afflictions. There are other adversities that come. There are health problems. Here are car accidents, all kinds of things. And sometimes, especially perhaps in the first century, we tend to think, God, I thought I was at peace with you. Why are you letting this happen? And he tells us in these verses, he tells us where to exalt when these things happen. Is he proposing a sadistic lifestyle? Give me more. Give me more. Go ahead. Take another shot, God. I want to show you how tough I am. Or is he creating a religion where the more you suffer, the closer you are to God? No, 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 no. We're surrounded by that. We don't need any of that. And it's not true. It's not biblical. Tribulations, adversity comes 
automatically. My mother must have said a thousand times when I was growing up, Joey, don't go looking for trouble. It'll find you. And that's true. And that's true. As a believer, how do we handle that? Do we say, God, why did you let this happen? It's not fair. Didn't you see what I gave up? I gave 450 bucks last week in the collection. And now the car's a wreck. What's going on? We have those types of ideas. No, tribulations, afflictions will push us closer to our Redeemer, test and refine our character if we react correctly, if we use the grace of God that is available to us. Because it's a process, you see? And not only this, but the tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. It's a process, it's a chain, and if you break the chain, it won't happen. It doesn't have anything to do with having peace with God. That's been established. I had peace with God as of April 5th, 1976, and it was over, forever secured in the Savior. Boy, there's been a few troubles along the way. There certainly have been. God knows, God sees, God hears, and we don't know what exactly he's doing. And he says, trust me, trust me. Now we have an explanation, verses six to 11. And this is where I fall back into a 2018 theologian idea, because it's just so fascinating the way that this is written down. Look at verses six, seven, and 10. He says, four, verses, uh, in verse six. In verse seven, four, one will hardly die. Ten, four, if while we were enemies. And the idea is, what he's saying is, pay attention. I'm giving you the reason why you need to hold on during the affliction. There is peace with God judicially. Christ paid it all. But now, there, I'm, there are good reasons to hold on. Important facts. Verse 6, while we were helpless at war, Christ died for us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. When I used to make fun of Christians, yell at them, spit on them, interrupt their Bible studies, Christ had already died for me. And I wasn't there yet. Verse 7, would we do that for someone else? For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. Uh, mm, uh, uh, not sure. You walk, by and, uh, you walk by a burning house and there's a child hanging out the window. What are you going to do? Every once in a while, there's a war story where someone threw himself on a grenade to save his buddies. Yeah. And it seems like instances like that are not premeditated. But the Savior planned to die from the foundations of the earth. It was all premeditated. He was going to die. A violent, vicious death. One will hardly die for a righteous man. Yeah, well, I doubt that I would die for anybody if I didn't have to. But Jesus did. 
And then verse 8, but, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love for people who were, who are at war with him by dying for them, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, this is something that we need to uh, wrestle with. God's existence is shown in creation. Not his love. Not his love. God's love is shown at the cross of Calvary. Look at Romans chapter 1. See what I mean? These verses are fascinating. Teach these verses to somebody as soon as they get saved. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from God, uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. Now you can read these verses many times. You won't see anything in there about scripture. You won't see anything in there about Jesus Christ. What you do see is God reveals himself in nature because everybody on the planet can look up. Oh, oh, what's going on here? What's going on? Right? Now, I am absolutely zero when it comes to science. I try to read every once in a while. I don't understand the book, so I pass it to John Tudor, and he reads it and tells me what it's all about. But I found a phenomenal book called Miracles by Eric Metaxas. And I would urge you to get it, especially if you are as uh, uh, poor as I am in science. The book is divided into three parts, second and third part. You figure it out. The first part, the miracle that he talks about is that we are here. And I thought, oh boy, it's a, oh, it's a science chapter, oh man. This is going to be rough. I put another log in the fire, get another cup of coffee. It was so simple. He made it so simple to understand. And he talked about the miracle simply of people being on earth. And then he talked about the moon and the importance of the moon being exactly where it is and not moving to the left or to the right, not moving up or down. And it was amazing. And with that, he's got all the facts and figures. It was phenomenal. And I just looked at it and I thought, wow, this guy really understands me because he's communicating in a way I can understand. Hmm? The universe declares the existence of God. The cross declares his love. Just that simple. So that's what we are called to share. That's what we are called to preach, to explain to others. Verse 9. And he says, much more then. Can you imagine? Much more then. You already have peace with God, verses 1 and 2. And then he says in verse 3, and not only this. And now he says, verse 9, much more then. There's more to it. It just keeps getting better and better. This little passage Faith in Christ brings justification by his blood. He paid it all. 
And that is a doctrine that needs to be clearly understood by us, by those who hold to the scriptures. If there's no blood, there's no remission of sins. Hebrews chapter 9. Period. Period. All the good works, all the money, all the time in church does not wash away sin. You can help all the little old ladies you want to cross the street. It doesn't take away sin. Only blood in God's program takes away sin. No imitation blood, no fake blood, only blood. Well, where do I get that blood? I get it at the cross. By faith, looking back at what Jesus did. He paid it all. And then the next part of the verse, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. No wonder he said, and there's more. The wrath of God. Not a pretty subject for today in many circles. It's as much a reality as the love of God. The God of the Bible is not a celestial Santa Claus. Others make him out to be that way. That's not true. It's not a machine like a Coke machine or whatever where you put so many coins in, press the button you want, and here comes whatever you ordered. God is not a celestial Santa Claus. He is perfect in his attributes, including his wrath. His wrath. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 10. This is a terrifying verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friends, 2018, it's still true. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I thought God was love. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, but he's also 100% just. <clears throat> I've been to the uh, Louvre three times. First time I went to see Mona. What a disappointment. I was expecting this huge painting. It's a little thing like that, you know. The second time I was there with family. Walking down the halls, we took our time, and uh, I came across a painting. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Well, you talk art, I'm still in stick figures. But this is amazing, these huge paintings. And there was one there on the wall, and it was a picture of the flood. It's a picture of the flood. <laughs> like I had never seen it before. It was huge. And all the way in the background was the ark. In the foreground was a tree. And on that tree, there was a man holding on with all, that he, with all of his strength, and there was another hand reaching up. And the face of this man holding on to the tree was terrifying. Terrifying. Because he knew it was all over. All over. The water came from the ground, it came from the skies, and it rained for 40 days. The wrath of God is real. And Jesus helps us causes us, whatever word you want to use, to escape that. So tonight, praise the Lord, if you're a believer, that you will not experience the wrath of God, because it's coming. And it came. What do you do with the flood? 
What do you do with the flood when all we emphasize is the love of God? That's his wrath. So, there we go. Back to Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Notice it says there, we were enemies. Those people in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Ungodly enemies. Enemies of God. Our position before salvation is pretty bad. And when a person grabs a hold of that, when a new believer grabs a hold of that, you eliminate thousands of questions and thousands of problems. Now, the salvation here being saved by his life, I do not take as being salvation as in verse 1. This is more of a meaningful life. He lives and there is a meaningful life given to this person who has come to know God, who has accepted Christ, and handles the tribulations or the adversity correctly. And then verse 11, he finishes up and says, not only this, once again, there's more. There's more. Not only this, but we exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. He uses the word exalt in verse 2, in verse 3, and in verse 11. Why? Because God hears, God sees, and he knows what's going on. And it's all centered on Jesus Christ. Not us. Not us. God has declared us who believe as his children. He has declared us who believe as righteous. He has shown how our sufferings, afflictions do not escape his notice do not escape his notice. He has shown his love at Calvary and he guarantees the present and the future because he lives. Tonight I go down to the airport. I get on a plane back to London. Jesus will be with me. Tomorrow morning I get a plane from London to Geneva. Jesus will be with me. And then someone will pick me up at the airport. I'll be back home tomorrow afternoon. Jesus will be with me because he promised it. He said so. So if anything happens, I am guaranteed of his presence. And you know what? That's all I really need. So I hope you take a few minutes, reread these 11 verses, and see the depth that they provide for us. Father, we are grateful to you for your word and for your patience with us, knowing, Lord, that we are hard-hearted. Many times other thoughts enter our minds, and we need to concentrate. And we praise you for that. In Christ's name, amen.